You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm Tamar Yona, and we are live if you're listening between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time right here in the land of Israel, or if it's between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, that means we are live, and we are going to be talking about a lot of subjects Another B&B show. It's not Bed and Breakfast. It is not Barnum Barnum and Bailey, although it is a circus. (laughs) But it is Biden and Blinken. Another B&B show. Also, the philosophy of permacrisis as governing principle of the West. The Gazans, reality versus myth. U.S. government statistics validation and the state of wars. All that on the show today. We are having on with us my weekly guest, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He has authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. I want to welcome to the show Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. Good to have you on. Okay, so kind of, uh, you know, when you wrote to me the title, Another B&B Show, I'm thinking Barnum and Bailey, which was like a, a very famous circus in my days. And you said it's almost the same thing. You said it's Biden and Blinken. So why don't we open up with that and tell us what you mean? <laughs> well, uh, um, they put on this big show for the entire world just, what was it, yesterday, the day before? where they uh, shot off um, uh, uh, something like 120-some-odd uh, rockets or missiles at 85 different targets in uh, uh, Iraq and Syria, and they, they, they made believe that it was something that really mattered, and it was garbage. Nobody in the Middle East is fooled by this. They claimed that they were putting on, that, that they were attacking Iranian proxies, but multiple sources have been talking all morning now that both the Iraqi and the Iranian governments were pre-warned that this attack was coming. Not only that an attack was coming, and everybody's known that for about a week now, but exactly when it was coming. In other words, they told him, get out of the way, we're going to shoot at you and make believe. Really not very smart. So what would be the purpose of that? Explain to our listeners. Well, it's, it's politics. It's for it's for internal uh, politics of the United States. Here, we are doing something. See, we're not just letting them kill our servant men and women. We're actually revenging them, except they're not. But what would be the reason that they don't want to hit actual troops of the enemy? Well, that's a that's an excellent question, and I wish I had an excellent answer. I don't. Um, there are a lot of possibilities. One possibility is that, um, let me jump back for a moment, just, just for one moment, okay? Supposedly this is for revenge for the killing of those, uh, of those three persons and, uh, um, uh, seriously injuring another, what was the number, I think 38 or 40, something like that. Well, how did the Iranians do that? How were these people killed? Well, um, this is a U.S. base. The, tam- the name of the base is Tower 22, but it's not actually a tower. It's a, it's a base. And the base um, used a drone for surveillance. 
So the drone went out, and when the drone was coming back, the Iranians shot an attack drone at them so that they could not see that they were being attacked. They saw a drone coming in. They didn't know if it was theirs or someone else's. They assumed it was their own. That's why people were killed and, and, and seriously wounded. Well, the question is, how did Iran do that? It's enormously difficult to get to that level of coordination unless you have inside knowledge somebody is telling you exactly when their drone is coming back home. There's almost no other way to do that. You can't have somebody standing on a rooftop in the middle of the desert, where there are no roofs, by the way, with a pair of binoculars and saying, oh, the drone, their drone is now coming back. Shoot, shoot off ours now. It doesn't work that way. This demands very close coordination. So who was giving the Iranians that information? Well, we don't know, of course. But that's part of the answer to your question. How did this happen? We do not know how this happened. So why did Americans, I don't know, is it the American military that was responsible for, for what happened? The American military that wanted to put on the show? I... Mordechai, I think I lost you. Okay, uh, we're going to try to get Mordechai back. I'm here. Oh, you're here. Great. Okay, go ahead. Rather doubt that the Pentagon, that CENTCOM, is involved in putting on shows. There's something involved here that we don't understand, that we do not know. Something is being hidden from us. If we sort of keep score here, the Iranians' score is extremely professional. The U.S. score is very treasonable. Something is pure PR here. It's difficult to imagine a situation that would allow Iran to have the precision information without somebody providing it. Okay, so I just okay. I just want to uh, say here that uh, if we if we don't look at what the leadership is saying and just looking at what they're doing, then what we you know and we hear that you know Iran is uh, an enemy of the U.S. and the West, and yet the United States under the Obama administration and many people say that the Biden administration is just Obama too, and or three I should say, <laughs> and uh, and the, the, before he left office, uh, wads and wads and wads or pallets of cash were shipped over to Iran. When the I'm, I'm just thinking back even further in the 1970s when the Shah of Iran was ousted by this is this new Islamic regime, the the United States also uh, a Democratic president Jimmy Carter did not help the Shah wouldn't give him sanctuary. He basically told him he had to leave the country, and uh, and so we're seeing a pattern of actions that the United States is actually helping. Iran under this Islamic regime, and yet they're telling people that they're the enemies. So can you explain that? Well, first of all, you, you need to add to that list. You know, remember, under uh, during the time of Obama, there were demonstrations, nearly a civil war in Iran, and the United States did nothing to aid them. And under Biden, there have been enormous demonstrations. Remember from that unfortunate young lady that was murdered by the by the 
Modesty Police. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. But uh, there were these hundreds, uh, hundreds of thousands or tens of millions or whatever of Iranians that were demonstrating, and the Biden administration did nothing. So your list needs to be expanded. The United States has been very involved for many years now with the Mullahs. So can I explain it? No, not really. Um, the, the American State Department has been against the state of Israel or a Jewish state since 1896. That's not a misstatement. 1896, more than half a century before the state was formed. They've been against it. So are they involved in this? I don't know. All I can say is the way you phrased it expertly. Ignore what they say. Look at what they do. And if I look at what they do, it's not good. And that's kind of sad. So go ahead, Mordecai. Okay. So I, I think we're sort of finished with that subject. We'll go on to the issue of permacrisis. Okay. Okay. Um, remember what that horrible person, what was his name? Rahm Emanuel said, never waste a good crisis, I think it was. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that's sort of the guiding principle late of the last few years of, the, uh, of, of much of the West. Um, the crises of the West stem from inner issues, not from capabilities or potentialities. Clearly, the West has the potential. I'm speaking of the, the entire Western culture, which is not West anymore. It's all over the globe, but I mean, that's besides the point. It's just a, 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 a name, a convenient handle to use, not something that has any real uh, uh, real meaning. But what's really wrong with the rest of the order today, the so-called rules-based order, when the, these rules are made sort of on the fly and changed on the fly? Um, Europe pursues security, and it's mostly delusional. They don't really know what they're doing. There can't be any security without functioning militaries, and no European country has a functioning military. Um, the West needs to fix its internal maladies first, regardless of who is president of the United States. It doesn't, that's not the problem in Europe at all, of course. The West suffers from lingering, ling, lingering pardon me, uh, reluctance to get involved in faraway issues, but the reluctance inevitably leads to deeper involvement devoid of control mechanisms. That's what we saw in Vietnam, that we saw in, in, in Afghanistan, that we saw in the war in Iraq, and America keeps on doing the same things over and over again, repeating them and not changing anything. They still don't have any control mechanisms for what happens or for what they do themselves. Um, they're trying to stand both for globalism and for isolationism at the same time. It doesn't really work. If a superpower still exists, and I'm not convinced that there are three global powers today, the United States, Russia, and China, I don't know if any of them can be called a superpower. They're all very powerful, and they're all global. Um, but if a superpower has a job, it's to supply some sort of equilibrium, not stasis, but equilibrium, not to supply arms for forever wars, but to create situations that allow for um, peace, security, 
uh, prosperity. But that's not what's really going on. We're seeing today in the Red Sea, global supply chains are have become ridiculously fragile. There's no stable security order anywhere in the world. Um, neither the U.S. nor Europe nor the global South have any solutions to global uncertainty or foreign policy synergies. There's no there's, there's no clear synergy between anyone and anyone else today, except maybe the BRICS, but even that's doubtful. The real crisis of 2024 is restoration of trust. And trust right now is in a deficit. And that's really a major problem. And no one is managing the perma-crisis that are going on all over the world, all, all, all the time, at least for the last three years, and one could argue for the last three decades. Okay, are you with me? Yes, I, I'm thinking about what you're saying, because I'm thinking that, that the word trust could be, when you say there's no more trust in the world, I, I'm thinking that could be on different levels. And I'm thinking about people not even being able to trust their own government. After we saw what happened with COVID, after we saw, you know, documents are being released from previous wars and, and in history, we were learning things that the government did behind our backs and gave us different stories, etc. There's a there's a huge lack of trust today, I think. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that that lack of trust is growing at a tremendous rate. And it will, and and it already has global reproduction, um, um, uh, not reproduction. I'm sorry, um, repercussions. Sorry. Um, just to give one example at the moment, you know, everybody's talking about is the dollar about to be eroded or whatever, and we've seen now that almost all the oil exporting co countries, not just Saudi Arabia, which is the largest, but almost all of them, have now said that they will accept. Basically, any currency they will discuss, they don't, they're no longer, there is no longer a, a clear limit to uh, 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 petrol being sold only for dollars, which was the basis of America uh, uh, hege economic hegemony for the last um, um, uh, many decades, at least since the time of, of Kissinger. Okay, we have a caller. Yes, we have uh, Antonio calling us uh, from the United States. Hi there, Antonio. What's your comment or question? Hello. Um, I'd like to add to you and um, your comment about trust and also related to the um, situation, the prior topic. Okay, Biden and Obama still desire to have this deal with Iran. That's why he pretended to fire those um those drones, you know, and inform his those individuals that he's going to do that. That's a possibility. Also, you have to look at this is a presidential year in the United States, so this man and his people, his group, Biden, will like to be back in power. So they're going to try to show that he is in, in um, leadership, he is in control, but we all know he's not. Number three. If you look at the situation that happened with um, what happened in Afghanistan, 
and his son and so forth. You review this man, which what comes off his his tree is negative. So he's not going to be forthcoming. Number four, look how the media is com- completely lies about everything, almost everything. So trust is a big issue, but we have to keep in mind that we cannot put our trust in man of government. We put our trust in Hashem. Right, in God. And you, and you made a very good point, which I didn't mention, and you're right, is that people don't trust the media anymore either. People used to put on the news no. and they would, they would want to know what the news is and they would believe that there's real investigative reporting going on, there's real stories being broken, and that's not how it is anymore. It's just not how it is. So, excellent point. Thank you. Antonio. Okay, talk to you later. Uh, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, do you want to c- comment on anything that uh, Antonio has said? I-, I would just basically repeat what you just said. First of all, thank you. It's an ex- excellent comment. And your addition there of the issue of the media, I think that's part of the one of the most basic issues today in the entire Western world, entire Western culture, is that I don't think anybody really respects the media anymore. Not it's beyond trust. There isn't even basic respect anymore. I mean, who cares what? I don't even know the names anymore of these of these monkeys on uh, CNN and 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 and. and uh, uh, NBC and CBS or whatever the, 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 the new letters are this week. I don't know what anymore. They're all ridiculous. Who trusts? I mean, you don't... It's beyond trust even. They're, they're, they aren't even really respected anymore. Well, I, I can add that uh, they, they deserve this lack of trust. They've earned it. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. Okay. They've, they've worked very hard to to, to do everything possible to basically implant lack of trust and lack of respect in everything they do. Okay. Uh, have we exhausted that? Are we going on to Gazans, reality versus myth? Or are you still want to... Yes, wanna... I think so. Okay. Okay, so, you know, there's a big question now, particularly in Israel, but I think in, in, in many places in the world, you know, uh, people talk about the, 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 the innocence in Gaza, you know what? Uh, what is the average Gazan? Is he is the average Gazan Hamas or normal? And the basic answer to that is that's a bad question. They're both. They are all both. In other words, the average citizen of Gaza despises Hamas and hates Jews even more. So on the seventh of October, hundreds, maybe even over a thousand so-called citizens of Gaza um, participated in the in the looting and in the raping and in the uh, taking of, 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 of hostages and, and, and in murders without being necessarily members of Hamas. The last um, survey that I saw, more than 70% of Gazans support what happened in on the 7th of October. Actively support it. However, at the same time, they also hate Hamas, and saying, and we're now seeing for the first time demonstrations in the Gaza Strip against Hamas. Now, does that mean that they want the Palestinian Authority? Certainly not. Well, I mean, you know, the the, the statements by by people like Jake Solomon, Jake Solomon is is a clown. He has no idea what he's talking about. 
As a matter of fact, I even suspect that it's even worse than that, that, that we almost remember that one week before the October 7th attack, Jake Sullivan said on television that the situation in the Middle East and Gaza has never been better. And of course, he knew that he was lying. There's absolutely no doubt that he was lying, that it's not just a mistake. The only question is, did he know about the attack ahead of time or not? Was he actively putting out misinformation and disinformation to mislead people, or was he just being his normal stupid self? We do not know the answer to that. Hmm. But it's very important for people to understand that people in Gaza um, hate Jews, despise Hamas, and despise the Palestinian Authority even more. Everyone who tries to leave the Palestinian Authority in place leaves in place the manufacturers of Hamas and Al-Qaeda and Al-Nusra and all the other terrorist groups. It is time and past time for the world to cease preventing Gazans from leaving Gaza. Anybody who claims to be in favor of the Gazans, I'm not talking about the politics, who cares about the human beings there, in any, at, any, at any level, let them go where they want to go. Stop forcing the Gazans to remain in Gaza. One of the biggest myths and one of the most tragic myths is that people around the world blame Israel for preventing the citizens of Gaza from leaving. Israel is very actively attempting to help them leave. Not forcing them out, not transfer, not doing anything to force them, but allowing people that want to leave to be allowed to leave. The United States, the Europeans, and the Arab countries all want to prevent Gazans from leaving Gaza. That is a tragedy, a human tragedy. And it's because they want to use them as pawns. They're using Correct. them as pawns. Okay, and I want people and to understand. And they've yeah. been doing this now since 1948. This is not new. Yes. That's why UNRWA, the United Nations Relief... Uh... Relief and Works Organization. Yes, thank you. Um, so <laughs> I just want to remind people... Relief and Works, by the way. I, I want to remind people that... When people see news reports that the Gazans are demonstrating and they against the Hamas, they're not demonstrating against the Hamas because they object to what Hamas did on October seventh. Just like Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem said, they're 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 only doing it because right now they're very uncomfortable. They're out of a lot of them are are out of their homes. Uh, they're it's it's uh, harder to get food. And to keep warm in the winter, it's raining, and it's it's getting miserable for them. And now they're starting to get angry, and uh, they're taking it out on the Hamas, which they should. That's the address. However, it's not because they're disgusted by what what the Hamas did and don't want them representing them. It's because uh, it's because they are uncomfortable. All right, uh, keep going because I'm I'm going to take a call. We have a caller that's calling in, so go ahead, keep keep talking. Okay, let's go to government, United States government statistics. There's a, there's a real issue here that people aren't aware of, and there's no reason why they should be aware of. But this is basically a continuation of what we said before about the media, because this is another dimension of that issue. 
the United States government puts out statistics all the time. The knee-jerk reaction around the world for everybody, for very good reasons, is, well, if the U.S. government says it, it must be true. Well, unfortunately, it, that's no longer the case. I think it used to be. I believe that was the case for the vast majority of American history, that government, U.S. government statistics were reliable and trustworthy. But let's give you give an example, a very simple example, okay? According to a uh, 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 media shill in, on the CBS, I'm quoting: several major U.S. companies announced, announced layoffs, unquote. While the U.S. government offices claim that unemployment rate 3.7 percent is a source of economic optimism, just as an example, 12 major corporations in the United States, UPS. Amazon, Macy's, Salesforce, Wayfair, Google, Xerox, eBay, City, Universal, BlackRock, and Microsoft, all um, laid off over the last several weeks, tens of thousands of persons for a total of one and a half million layoffs per month. Yet the unemployment rate is still 3.7%. It hasn't gone up. Somehow that just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm misread, misreading something. It, 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 it is, does the, do the statistics actually have any meaning today? How can the U.S. economy have 20 million people late, fired in 2023 and the um, lowest unemployment rate in its history? It, it doesn't work for me. Well, you know what they say about statistics. There are yeah. lies, and then there are damn lies, and that's statistics or something like that. <laughs> no, it was Mark Twain. It's a beautiful quote. Yeah, do it right. <laughs> Correct me. I didn't say it right. There's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. Oh, yeah, that's right. There are lies, there are damn lies, and then there's statistics, statistics Mark right? Mark Twain was clearly <laughs> one of the most brilliant Americans that has ever very, Yeah, very humorous. Okay, and I remembered that quote, but I just didn't remember it exactly. Okay, we have a caller that wants to comment on the Gazans uh, leaving Gaza, and we have Tsipora joining us from the United States. Hi there, Tsipora. Hi. I hope you can hear me. We hear you fine. Um, I'm calling because I've heard this before, but it needs to be operationalized. I'm only one person. I wrote the Egyptian, I called them, they put down. I wrote the Egyptian embassy daily for weeks and like twice a day. And eventually they came out, I guess it bothered them enough that they came out with an explanation that they're afraid of Hamas. So I suggested that maybe they have Israeli intelligence, check the people who come out. They can make it, temp they can make it a temporary um, encampment, but that I, I think that if, if more people in more media, online, in, you know, on email, on YouTube, on Facebook, in the newspapers, with ads concentrated on this and pointed out the hypocrisy that the Egyptian descendants of Egyptian brethren are sitting there, and they some of them are really children and very babies, okay, and they are getting injured, and Egypt will not let them out. And we have to blast that everywhere until Egypt is ashamed and, and lets them out. Because the ICJ is not going to do that. The United States is not going to do that. The UN is not going to do that. So we need pressure on that. Because then, if all of them went out, Israel could do its job and find the hostages. And the war could be over without anything else. Do you want to comment on that, Dr. Mordechai? Ben yeah, look, 
Factually, you're correct, Cipola, but there's a problem with what you're with your phrasing of it. And the problem is people are, Okay. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. People are assuming that if that that if the Gazans leave the Gaza Strip and enter Egypt, it is for the purpose of remaining in Egypt. That is not the correct assumption. In other words, people can leave the Gaza Strip and go to Turkey or go to Algeria or go to Congo or go to any place. Go to Ireland, who was showing so much concern for them. Yes, and many of these people, actually, many of these places actually would welcome them. Canada has claimed to be welcoming to the Gazans. Um, uh, 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 I don't, I don't know the list of countries, but many countries have said that they will they have no problem accepting Gazans for as as as, uh, uh, as new immigrants. That's fine. But the West doesn't allow them to get, to leave. They're forced to remain in place, and that is a human tragedy of phenomenal proportions. So, Sipora, you're right in what you're saying. I disagree mildly in your phrasing of it because you're not taking into account the aspect of where they go when they leave. And there are many, many choices. Three, we, I, I've said this many times in, in the, in, in, uh, on the air in, in the past. Over the last 10 years, more than 300,000 Gazans have actually left. They have to get a, a, a visa to Turkey in order to leave. That doesn't mean they're remaining in Turkey. They get a tourist visa for Turkey, and then they're allowed to leave. But to get that tourist visa from, for, for Turkey, they have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to do it. And anybody living on the southern border of the United States knows exactly what I'm talking about. These are the same criminal cartels. We all know that MS-13, for instance, among the most notorious cartels in the United States and in Central America, is a branch of Hezbollah. So these are the same criminals that are doing it to their own people, and this is a horrible tragedy. And I don't have to like the Gazans to say that they deserve better. They clearly deserve better. Anyway. Okay. Um, I think that it would be very easy to solve this problem. But again, like you said, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, there are interests. And all they have to do is send ships, send a ship from uh, Ireland to the coast. Israel boards a ship, makes sure, make sure everything is kosher. And we start loading people on the boats that want to leave, just like you said. Let them go make a nice life for themselves someplace else. They say they hate the Hamas. They want to leave. Let them go. Let them go. And it's totally voluntarily. Nobody's forcing anybody on anything here. And all of these countries that are, are screaming that Israel should give humanitarian aid to our Nazi, ISIS, uh, Hamas, and and its population. So let them come and give humanitarian aid and take them to their own countries and they can give them all the humanitarian aid that they want. I'm not interested in, in killing people. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm interested in peace and justice and safety for my nation and for all people. Because remember, I repeat this all the time in the show, first the Saturday people and then the Sunday people, first the little Satan Israel and then the big Satan. The, our, our enemies are, are eventually your enemies and, and you should watch out for it. But if you want them so much, then, then come and, and take them. I, I I heard a statistic just this morning. Um, sorry, I'm forgetting now who said it, but it's somebody who's very reliable. I I, I think it was his, uh, <clears throat> an American general, 
um, retired general. He mentioned that the population of London today, as of the 2021 uh, census, is 15% Muslim. So I would ex I would assume that the UK would be more than happy to accept more immigrants from from Gaza. Why would they have a problem with that if, if their capital already has more than 15%? What's for you more? <coughs> okay. And I strongly suspect that places like um, France and Belgium have at least similar, if not even more, more uh, a, a larger portion. <clears throat> so anybody, right. Ireland certainly should be a, a prime location. Ireland, Iceland also hates the Jews. They have that in common. <laughs> well, Iceland is not all that pleasant a place. I've been to Iceland and I've been to Ireland. Ireland is a beautiful place. Yes, I, I, yes, yes, it is a very beautiful place. Yes, it is. Iceland is kind of strange. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it has a population of a quarter of a million total. I don't know. You can't really expect a lot of immigrants to Iceland, but Ireland can certainly accept uh, hundreds of thousands of people with no problem. The, the, the country is mostly empty. I mean, it's a beautiful country. Okay, so uh, we have exhausted that, and you wanted to talk about. State of wars. The We're state at of war wars. today. What's happening around the world a little bit? Pretty much I'm updating people. I mean, we've been talking about this many times. These things are are, are, are very um, uh, dynamic and change a lot. Remember the one basic historical principle. We know now that there is in process a what's called a currency regime shift. The dollar while it is still strong, it's still healthy, it's still functional, clearly it is under some, some very significant pressure. Some would even express, express that as being under significant attack. I don't want to use that word attack right now, but it is under a great deal of pressure. So we're seeing a currency regime shift. And war throughout human history, a currency regime shift means war, serious, um, uh, large-scale war, always. It always has occurred in, uh, and together. I'll just make a comment. Uh, 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 a well-known um, uh, academia by the name of Buckminster Fuller 40 years ago predicted that this was going to happen at this time. He predicted the, the, the timing of it as well. The federal U.S. dollar has lost 97% of its purchasing power intentionally. This process continues. It's called inflation right now. Another time it had other names. Now it's called inflation. Okay? For the U.S., the only way out of its $34.5 trillion in debt, remember, the U.S. debt is rising by a trillion dollars every quarter now. The um, yearly interest rate on the U.S. debt is now a trillion dollars, and that in, that in itself is rising as well. So the only way out of massive debt is war, except this time it won't work, because the vast majority of humanity is basically sick and tired of U.S. Western arrogance and bullying. <coughs> so we're seeing now uh, hot wars in 
the Ukraine-Russia war, the Israel-Hamas war, Iran-Pakistan, Afghanistan and ISIS-K, Red Sea war, Houthis, Sudan has now announced that it's going that it is going to join the Houthis from the other side of the Red Sea. Is America going to fight the Houthis? They've been totally ineffective so far, and 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 fight Sudan as well. Very unclear. But they're preparing for attacking U.S. shipping from the other side of the Red Sea. From the beginning of the Biden maladministration until the seventh of October. Again. Some of the news media have talked about uh, over 170 attacks since the 7th of October, and people simply ignore that there were over 100 attacks before the 7th of October, without any relation to the war with Hamas. As I said previously, uh, just a few moments ago, Jake Sullivan knew full well, he lied when he said a week before the Hamas attack that the Middle East had never been so peaceful. <clears throat> this was not an error, this was a lie. It was an intentional lie. And again I asked, did he know about the Hamas impending attack? Was he intentionally providing misinformation to mislead people? Biden has done more Middle damage in three years than Carter, Clinton, and Bush in three decades. That's an amazing fact. Iran now has more than 20 proxy armies throughout the Middle East. More than 20. Again, people know about Hamas and Hezbollah. There are 20, more than 20 such organizations around the, around the area. <coughs> By the way, there are Hamas-like tunnels under the U.S. border as well, between Mexico and the United States, except Biden's erasure of the border has made these tunnels moot. The tunnels are there. They've been discovered. They've been discussed. But again, the U.S. media has suppressed the information. So that's the hot wars. Now look at the warm wars. So the wars that are appear to be uh, 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 pending, that appear to be uh, uh, somehow close. Of course, the, the most obvious one is Taiwan and China. Venezuela is now talking about a, a war in the northern part of South America. We haven't seen a war in South America for a very long time. Sorry, Venezuela with who? Sorry? Venezuela with who? I didn't catch that. Guyana. They're, they're, they're neighboring country. They want, they want to conquer a, 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 a province of Guyana that has um, uh, energy resources. They, no, the Venezuelan government of today... Uh, uh, um, claims that it belongs to them for some reason. I don't know the historical background. I don't know who's right or wrong. The only thing that interests me is that, is that it's another war in America's backyard. Mm-hmm. There are several wars now in, in Africa, mostly civil wars, but are, are, there are other kinds of wars. There's a new Balkan war preparing. Um, <coughs> Serbia has now, has now announced that it's reinstituting the draft. Because it expects a war with its neighbors within the next two years. Iran is now actively threatening the United States. In December 2023, as many people crossed the U.S. border illegally as were born in the United States. That is almost the definition of an invasion. <laughs> 
An invasion is by definition a war. It's not a hot war, it's a warm war, but it's a war. One needs to comprehend the fundamental difference between East and West. Western culture is based on war as an extension of diplomacy by other means. Basic philosophical concept originally expressed by von Clausewitz, but it's adapted by every person who finishes any sort of um, uh, 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 military college in the United States and in, and in Western Europe. Certainly every graduate of West Point says that. War is an extension of homosexuality by other means. It's an axiom. It's uh, something that's so ingrained in Americans that everybody simply says it and, of course, believes it. However, in Islamic country, culture, that's not the case. In Islamic culture, there's a basis for, for there's an, e- an eternal state of war. It's called Dar Salam versus Dar al-Harb. Dar Salam is the, the area of Islam, and Dar al-Harb is, Harb means sword, the area of the sword. There is eternal war by definition in Islam. So the whole war, world needs to recognize that there are other views. And I'm certain that if I was to query the issue among, I don't know, Chinese or Indians or Japanese or whatever, I'd probably get a third definition. What we need to understand is that war is eternal. And it is not, as the West claims, an extension of diplomacy by other means. That is one definition is not invalid. It simply is not the case for for the entire world. So the West needs to be somehow a little bit less arrogant and try to trying to force everybody to believe what they believe. It doesn't work anymore. And you know the international community is always trying to sell Israel on the line of there is no military solution. And that's just not true. Of course not. And it never has been. There is only a military solution. There is no diplomatic solution. Not because this side or that side doesn't want it, because no side wants it. Remember, Yasser Arafat was uh, 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 offered an Islamic state, a so-called Palestinian state, west of the Jordan River, nine times. Nine times he refused it. So the Biden administration, again, the, the, the B&B, the, the, the new circus in town, coming along and saying the two-state solution, I can't even believe that's stupidity. It is not stupidity. They have to know, somebody there has to know that neither side has ever agreed to it, except for the, Amer- the Americans trying to force it down everybody's throat. You cannot continue with total and utter arrogance. It does not work, and it only makes people all the more distrustful of the United States. Every time the United States tries to force the so-called two-state solution upon people in the Middle East, the United States is the loser in that argument. Always. 
Biden is not following a policy of appeasement. There's no appeasing of Iran. Iran declared war on the United States in 1979. And they have not rescinded that at all. Biden is following a policy of cowering. The entire world sees it. Biden was a coward during when he was young and he was <clears throat> a candidate for being drafted into the army and he pretended to be ill. And suddenly solved that illness three days after he was no longer draftable. Coupling that with $34 billion or trillion dollars in debt, which is actually a, a false number because the total U.S. debt is closer to $150 trillion. If you look at not just the federal government, but the, the um, state and local governments as well, growing at a rate of $4 trillion per year, borrowing of 120% of GDP, growing to 130%. Jamie Dimon, clearly one of the smartest Americans today alive, the, the CEO of America's largest bank, uh, calls this a hockey stick. The, the, the rate of increase of the debt is rising notoriously. Higher borrowing leads to higher debt service costs, thus accelerating the debt growth. This debt is the U.S.'s largest vulnerability. Are we looking at a policy of national suicide? Does the American public wish to remain an American public? <coughs> uh, the younger generation would say no. I agree. The I younger generation is ashamed of uh, patriotism. They laugh at it. They despise it. They scorn it. And they want to be global citizens because that's what they've been uh, uh, groomed in school and in yep. society today to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's very unfortunate, but I think you're right. And I think that's one of the primary problems that they have with, with Trump. I'm not really expressing an opinion in terms of U.S. politics. I think... Both Trump and Biden are bad candidates for the presidency. They're both, on that sense, I, I completely agree with Nikki Haley. Two candidates that are both over the age of 80. Um, it's just not appropriate. But Trump is a patriot. And that is phenomenally important. You cannot reasonably expect a, a country, any country, to prosper if the person who's leading it despises that country right hi anyway it's, that's where we are today yeah it's it's uh, it's very sad i uh i believe in globalism but only under the messiah <laughs> because then i know that the leader of the world is god and he's going to be just and not corrupt like man is otherwise we i think that we're I mean, this is my opinion that we're we're there that there are some societies that are better, in a sense, with their laws and their culture than other societies. And you see uh, how they treat their women, how they treat their children, how they treat their populations. I know that the world doesn't like to divide things like that. That saying one uh, culture is better than another. Um, I won't say better, but I'll say. 
better. <laughs> For lack of a better word at, at this at this juncture that I can think of. Okay. There are cultures that are worse. Let's put it that how about if I put it that way? There are cultures that are worse, right? And America has been a wonderful country. It, it's, it's provided freedom to people. People left Europe to go to America because there they could be free. They weren't oppressed under the church or under the royalty and under the, the surf system and the, and the, um, the well, Aristotic, the Aristotic uh, class. They could go and be property owners in America. Any boy born there or girl could grow up to be the president of the United States. This was unheard of in places like Europe. You couldn't lead the, lead the country. Uh, you had to be part of the aristocracy. And so America has been an amazing country. It's really led the world. And it's very sad for me to see the decaying of society there and the new generation that's been brought up there and the destruction. It's, it's dissolving. And it's very, very sad to see. But... I, I, I would I would modify somewhat what you're saying. You're certainly correct what you're saying, but I, I would say that that attitude in terms of the immigration towards America or the migration towards America was true at one point. I don't think that's what's driving the migration today to America. Today, people are are immigrating to America not for positive reasons, but they think that Americans are. Simply the dumbest people around that they can they're easy to steal from. I don't think the people that are coming up the, the, the ten million people that came in via the southern border illegally came because they thought America is great. They came because they can they get ahead. Easy to work to get to get what they want from them. Yeah, they can get ahead. Yeah. Yes. Get ahead, but again, but the basis is illegality, not legally. Because they don't respect America anymore. Correct. Correct. And, you, and, and one has to earn their respect. Yes. That's just the way of the world. Yes. And that's the way of families. Parents have to earn the respect of their children. They can't be their friend all the time. You know, sometimes you can be their friend, but you've got to be a parent. Kids need, need guidance. They need love and guidance, and they need to people. have security and by the way, in that, their families. That sort of leads us to... Uh, the final thing, um, uh, we had a, 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 a listener, I'll identify him by the initials uh, DF, who wrote in and asked to that we address the issue about what the Biden people are trying to do to Netanyahu. So I'd like to address that briefly, if I may. Please. Um, some things are really, I don't know, sort of almost interesting, I would say, what Biden is trying to do. Let me give you an example. I find this absolutely disgusting, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing example, and it's very, it's, it's kind of interesting in a sense. Um, <clears throat> over 85,000 um, uh, uh, female children have crossed the southern border of the United States. Almost all of them went across the southern border and were picked up by MS-13, and are um, uh, basically used for sex trafficking. So in that sense, and in any numerical or quantitative sense, the United States is the largest human trafficking country in the world today. However, 
the United States State Department has a, I don't know, I don't know what's called, a department, a division, a unit, whatever, that deals with the question of human trafficking. So um, uh, 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 in Israel, since, it's, since before the state was founded, the vast majority, <coughs> pardon me, the vast majority of construction workers in, in Israel have been um, uh, Arabs, most of them from either Gaza or Judea and Samaria. More than 80,000 people from those areas worked in construction prior to the 7th of October. Now, for very clear reasons, any sane person can understand, we're not particularly interested in renewing those work permits right now. We know that these people, under the best of circumstances, at least spied on us and aided Hamas in what they did on 7th of October. So the, the, econo the economic ministry in Israel, the economy here is managed by two ministries. It's very, actually very interesting in terms of management. There's the Treasury and the Economy Ministry. The Treasury is more on the day-to-day, -day, quote, on a tactical level, while the Economy Ministry is more on the strategic level of long-range planning and things like that. So the, the Economy Ministry came up with the idea of bringing in workers from India, several tens of thousands of Indians um, applied for work in Israel. The United States is attempting to block that. They want Israel, they want to force Israel to permit um, Arabs from Judea and Samaria to return to the construction industry. On the one hand, they believe, the American, the American State Department, that that will cause the Netanyahu government to fail and, to, and for Netanyahu to be replaced. On the other hand, it's also a fifth column within Israel. So they get, they get two big wins here. They, they weaken Israel, and they also get rid of a, a duly elected prime minister. And what is their excuse? Because they said, and listen to this carefully, they said that if Israel brings in workers from India, there is the potential for human trafficking abuses. Not, we're not being accused of having abused. We're being accused of perhaps being a potential for human trafficking. Can't get much more cynical than that, more hypocritical than that. Yeah, that's, what's, that's a better word. Yeah. So, okay, so people have to understand that, that the Israeli population is growing and we need more homes built here. And in order to build homes, we need more workers. And the Arabs were usually employed. They got jobs here, Arabs that worked in Judea and Samaria, which they call the West Bank. Uh, they would come and work here. And they would build homes in the settlement. They would build the settlements. And then they say they hate the settlements. You know, it's giving them a livelihood. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Things don't have to make sense. And, uh, and now that there has been uh, this war and there's such a threat, they've always been a threat. But now that uh, th there is this happening, people are saying they don't want Arabs coming on to into their communities to build new homes because they're afraid for the safety of their children who are coming home from school, walking home from school, etc., etc. Or just an Arab goes into someone's house and starts to stab or, or shoot or kill or whatever. So uh, 
Israel's trying to get in more uh, workers now, and this is what Mordechai ben Menachem is talking about, that uh, the Biden administration is trying to prevent that. Let me give you a little bit of perspective here, because it's really a fascinating thing. A few years ago, there was a company here, I don't know if they still exist, I'm, I'm not, I don't follow these things, but there was a company here called um, SodaStream, and they had a, a, a manufacturing plant uh, in, in Samaria, and most of the workers in the plant were Arabs, but the Arabs and the Jews got the same pay rates. And the United Nations was irate at that, incensed at that. They said, you can't do that. That's terrible. You can't give the Arabs and the Jews the same pay rate. So the company was forced, literally forced, by the United Nations and the American State Department to transfer the factory into uh, 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 pre-1967 Israel, and all of the Arabs that worked for it were are, are, are now unemployed. So if anybody tells you that these people want the betterment of the Arabs, they are lying to you. Everything you're saying is true. Unfortunately, I know. <clears throat> they do not want anything good for the Arabs. Quite the opposite. They just want to harm Israel. That's all. This, sadly, is true. A weak Israel is a controllable Israel. Very, very well stated. Okay. The, the policy of the American government forever, except for the Trump people. Remember, it's not just Trump himself, but it was Trump and uh, 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 Pence, his vice president, and Pompeo, his secretary of state, and Nikki Haley, his uh, uh, um, ambassador to the United Nations. All of these were people that were superb in everything they did concerning foreign policy. Their foreign policy worked. Their foreign policy prevented war. Their foreign policy contributed to peace and prosperity, not only in the Middle East, but throughout the world. <clears throat> I don't care if you thought, if you like Trump or Haley. That's not my concern. I think both of them are very fine people. But you need to know that both of them worked for the betterment of the United States as opposed to the, to, to the Biden people. And I go back to the beginning. B&B &B is really a new, the new circus in town. <laughs> All right. Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. And again, if anyone has any comments or questions, they can write us at, uh, you can write me, T-A-M-A-R, Tamar, T-A-M-A-R at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I want to thank you all for being with us. And thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you. Stay safe and everyone be safe. You've been listening to the Tamar Yano Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. 